Hello, fantasy book lovers, TGIF. This is Thank God's It's Fantasy podcast. We are Kayla, Veronica, and Brianna, three best friends who love talking about all things books. From the romance to the conflict, and of course, the morally gray men. Every two weeks, we'll be getting together to talk about theories, opinions, and reviews of our current read. Please read along, join in, and be one of our book besties too. Hi guys, and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Kayla, joined along with my co-hosts Veronica and Brianna. In this episode today, we will be recapping the first book of Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J. Moss. So we would like to announce a disclaimer that this book in particular is adult and does contain adult content, including both language and sexual content. Um, So (laughs) turn back now if uh, you don't want us to uh, talk about those things with you. Um, We would also like to note that while we are focusing entirely on this first book, there is a potential for spoilers for the second book. Um, We try to keep it focused on this book, but there are some Easter eggs from the uh, Sarah J. Moss universe at large being mentioned. So if you haven't read them all, don't worry. It won't hopefully mean anything to you. Like me. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You shouldn't know entirely what's happening. But what we're going to do is basically recap what happened in this book Um, there's four parts to this book and we're realizing that you can tell it's pretty big. So it's going to be one of our longer episodes. Um, we have decided to most likely cut it in half, do two episodes that'll be released on the same day, just so that you guys can listen to it at your leisure. Um, but what our idea of what we're going to do is we're going to recap what happens in each part and then we will talk about it. Um, we're going to start by doing that overview. So just bear with us. Like I said, this will be a little bit longer than what our typical episodes will be moving forward. These next two books are just, they're thick. We're doing the whole thing all at once. So to get us started, I'm going to start with part one, which is The Hollow. For a little background setting, we are in Crescent City, which is a metropolis that was formerly known as Lunathian. Crescent City is ruled by six different lower heads. We have the Prime of the Wolves in Moonwood, the Fae Autumn King in Five Roses, the Under King in the Bone Quarter, the Viper Queen in the Meat Market, the Oracle in the Old Square, and the River Queen who lives beneath the Istros River in the Blue Court. Micah, the head of the Central Business District, or the CBD as you might hear us call, call it, rules over them all. Micah is an archangel and only answers to the six living Asteri above him. There are four houses in Midgard, which is the world that encompasses that Lunathian is in, um, that each type of veneer, which is a non-human, belongs to. The house of earth and blood, the house of sky and breath, the house of flame and shadow, and the house of many waters. You may see a theme there for the titles of each of these books. So, in part one of Crescent City, we are introduced to the main character, Bryce Quinlan, and her friends. Her best friend is Danica Fendier. She's a wolf shifter and is the alpha of the pack of devils. Danica is also second in line to be prime to the Valbaran wolves. The prime apparent is Sabine, Danica's mother, who is resentful of the fact that Danica received the family heirloom sword. 
when the prime had been promising it to Sabine upon his death for centuries. In the opening of the book, Danica decides to leave this very sword at Bryce's workplace, like it means nothing, like it's a part of her gym bag, before going to a meeting with the city heads where she will see Bryce's half-brother, but full fay, Rune. Bryce isn't currently speaking with him, so she's not thrilled to hear that. We find out Danica and Bryce went out and drunkenly got tattoos together a few days prior to this when Bryce complains about how much hers hurts. The city meeting is in regards to Philip Briggs. He is someone who Danica's pack had stopped from blowing up a club about a year before this. Philip Briggs was a part of the Human Rebellion. The Human Rebellion's goal is to overthrow all veneer, the Asteri above them, who rule Midgard. Briggs is getting released from prison today on a technicality, and Danica is not very happy about it. We then get a look at Bryce's workplace. She works at Griffin Antiquities, which is owned by Jessica Roga, a 400-year-old, very powerful witch who defected and joined the House of Shadow and Flame. She now only answers to the Underking. Bryce's co-workers are Syrinx, a 30-pound chimera, and Lahaba, aka Lily, a small little fire sprite. Both are enslaved to Jessica to protect her rare collection of books. Bryce is currently being sent on an, or her current task for Jessica is to find Luna's horn, which is an old fae relic. We then get insight into the drop, which is when a veneer drops into their power level and stops the aging process. Bryce and Danica plan to do it together when they turn 27 years old. Because, you know, not too old where they're starting to get some wrinkles, but not too young where they look too young. Fury, one of their other girlfriends from college, already made the drop. And she's some sort of assassin or mercenary. No one knows really which. And no one knows what type of veneer, veneer Fury is or what house she's a part of. So she is a big question mark in general. The fourth person of their little foursome is Juniper. Um, she is another friend from college and she is a fawn who is a professional ballerina and breaking all of those stereotypes there. Later on in this first part, we meet the rest of the pack of devils, one of which is Connor Holstrom, Danica's second. Connor has had a thing for Bryce since they met. But Danica hasn't ever given her go-ahead, so nothing's ever happened. And also, Bryce has never really given his pursuits any traction to go off of. Bryce stops by her and Danica's apartment, where the pack of devils are having their weekly pack night. She finds out that nothing is going to be done to stop Briggs from being released today, and Danica's in quite a mood about it. Bryce has to leave because she has a date with her rich asshole boyfriend, Reed Redner, instead of staying in with the pack for pack night. Reed is late for their date, then ignores her on his phone. So Bryce dumps his ass and leaves to go hang out with her girlfriends, as she should. Absolutely. <laughs> During that day, though, she did receive a text from Connor asking her to go out with him, and she officially she finally agrees to it. Bryce gets offered a drug called Synth, which she declines because of its ridiculous price. 
She then heads into the White Raven, which is her favorite club, to meet up with Fury and Juniper. They proceed to do a F ton of drugs, specifically Lightseeker and Mirthroot, and then dance the night away, which are two of Bryce's favorite things to do. Later on, Bryce stumbles home to find the whole pack of devils has been massacred in her apartment. There are only pieces left of them. Whatever killed them runs out of the apartment, and Bryce takes chase in her completely drug-addled state. She comes upon a gray creature with no eyes and translucent skin that's definitely not of this world who's eating a Malachim, which is another name for an angel. Bryce attacks it with a table leg, fighting the creature off, and it disappears into the night. Her thigh is cut wide open during the scuffle, but she proceeds to staunch the angel's wound and then calls for help from his phone. We are next introduced to, the th to three of Micah's triari, which is his inner circle and his personal guard. Isaiah, Isaiah Tiberian, who is the commander of the 33rd, Hunt Athalar, a.k.a. the Umbra Mortis, who is Micah's personal assassin, and Victoria Vargos, who is a wraith. They're looking into an interrogation room where Bryce is seated and hasn't spoken for hours, while Vic tries to get information from her about what happened and what led to the death of the Pack of Devils. In comes a mother-effing Sabine, raging about her stupid sword rather than her daughter who was just brutally murdered. Oh, she yeah. sucks. She sucks. She, she sucks big time. A call comes in from someone who must be pretty important in the Fey world, demanding that Bryce be released immediately. They do so to avoid diplomatic fallout. After Bryce hobbles out on that hurt leg, we're introduced to Rune Dannon, heir to the Valbaran Fey, he demands to know where Bryce is, referring to her as his cousin, which is their cover story per their stupid dad. End scene. <laughs> Very well. All right, done. guys, well that done. is that is part one. Mm -hmm. So, first impressions of the world. Do you like that it is a more modern fantasy mm -hmm. world? Brie. I do enjoy that. I think it is kind of a nice change of pace because I have obviously read her other books and they were not so modern. So it was kind of nice to see her switch things up a little bit. So mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. Um, but I know some people have a harder time with it because it does feel almost too real then in some mm -hmm. regards, even though it is still very much fantasy. But I really like it. Mm-hmm. What about you, V? I like it. I enjoy like historical fiction and um, like seeing or like re not seeing because I see them in my brain. I like <laughs> reading about that stuff like that, too. Um, I like the whole like new world stuff. But having a modern fantasy, I think, was a good change up for me, too, because I had just finished reading the whole Akatar series and mm -hmm. that having been so different. It was a it was a good, refreshing um, palette change. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it i personally loved the modern modern fa fantasy and i think it maybe it is just because i had just gotten done reading all of her other work too which are definitely not 
on the modern side. Yeah. Um, I thought that a lot of the ways that she incorporated magic and first light and all of that into making just modern mm-hmm. things um, was pretty ingenious. And so I, that was one of the things that like caught me about the world that I loved the first time reading it through. So I definitely like it. I know that that is for some people mm-hmm. what they don't like as much about it. Cause they, yeah. a lot of people want a true fantasy that feels like a fantasy that isn't super modern. So I get that too. Um, first impressions on the characters. V, what did you think of the characters? Well, it's hard for me to give a first impression because the first time I read it was all those years ago. Yeah. So then it was just kind of like a refresher. Um, I loved that Connor had a big crush on Bryce for mm-hmm. years, right? He was, yeah. was trying to respect Danica because she's the pack leader. And mm-hmm. he was just waiting for Danica to say, go ahead, like, you guys, like, I give you my blessing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Danica and uh, Bryce's friendship. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was fun. I love the spiciness that. Bryce has and that Danica kind of like eggs it on like feeds Mm -hmm. into it because Mm -hmm. let's face it I'm also kind of (laughs) spicy yes you are um but Lahaba is super cute I I really did I don't think I was annoyed with anybody or disliked anybody in this first part yet Mm -hmm. it was fun (laughs) getting to know everybody and kind of like how their connections were Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about you Brie um I really enjoyed the characters I think Sarah J. Maas just does a phenomenal job of getting you attached to characters in such a short amount of time, especially when her intention is to brutally murder like half of them. Um, So like, I was really impressed that I was so like heartbroken in such a short amount of time. Like Mm -hmm. she does give them such good like backstories and such good interactions. And so Mm -hmm. um, I was just really attached to all of them before she broke my heart once again. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think a favorite for me was just the like four girls being best friends, even though like they're really so different in so many mm-hmm. ways, like, mm-hmm. and they don't even necessarily know everything about all of them. They are just like, we get along so well, we love each other and we love hanging out. And that's really all there is to it. Yeah. I like it too. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I'm right on with you guys too. Um I loved Bryce and Danica's friendship, their banter, like you could tell why they were best friends. I loved the fact that even though Bryce was half human, half fae, um, Danica didn't care. And she was one of the most important people in the city and that she had basically made her a wolf by extension. And the pack Mm -hmm. of devils just seemed like such a fun family and they're talking about the sunball games and they're supporting connor um uh or sorry ethan connor's brother and all of that just led to like yeah that that attachment Mm -hmm. to these characters that that you don't really expect and then you have like a game of thrones (laughs) death of is how i felt of like I'm invested in these characters now. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to see where things go with Bryce and Connor. Like, what a sweet relationship it's been building to this. And Mm -hmm. then, like, I just could not believe that happened and that they were all dead. Uh, And, you know, with fantasy, so so often they come back 
to life at yes. some point. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, okay, when's it going to happen? <laughs> they when's can't it really gonna be happen? dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not really dead, right? Because they mm-hmm. wouldn't, <laughs> she wouldn't do that to us, right? She no, would. she would. She would. She, she definitely would. And she did. <laughs> um, so that was hard. And then also just um, the degree of how violent it was. Yes. Um, I knew what I was getting into with the book then because it was a very violent death. The fact that nothing was left of them. They were in pieces. And then Bryce's interaction then with that demon thing um, mm-hmm. was also very violent. I mean, he was eating someone. Yeah. So I was like, okay, good to know. This is what I'm preparing for. Well, in this book. And it was so jarring also because having come from the rest of her universe, Mm -hmm. she hadn't gotten into this full-fledged adult yet. Mm -hmm. And so when we go in and we're like, oh, we're doing drugs. Oh, wow. We are swearing. Oh, we are very vulgar. Okay. Like, yeah, totally. I was like, I'm here for it. But whoa, that is not (laughs) what I was quite expecting. So I liked it. I like an adult book. But it made a lot of that also more jarring. Like, oh, wow, that's, I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Just the degree of drugs they did too. I was like, damn. Yes. The mm-hmm. party, they partied hard. Yeah. Yes. Like, how so did she intense. go from going on a date, <laughs> flirting with Connor right a little bit before, and then breaking up with her boyfriend, going to the club, agreeing to go on a date with Connor, and then sleeping with a guy in the bathroom mm-hmm. yep. while on the drugs and stuff. Like, that's just from here, like, from it's zero to It's such a small section, yes. Well, yeah. And she was unapologetic about it also right. at that point. she It was, I am unapologetically this person, so is Danica. We like to party. We're gonna, we're gonna F around, and it's fine. So as much as I love their relationship, I was a little unsure about her to begin with because it mm-hmm. was like damn you put yourself in this like situation that then you get back to uh-huh. the apartment and you can't do anything granted she's half fae half human yeah the most powerful veneer in like the city just got brutally murdered so yeah. you're like what is she really going to do you yeah. know so it kind of goes both ways. Anything else from this part that kind of stuck out to you? They definitely get you to dislike some characters and put your guard up about some characters right off the bat. So there's Sabine, who they don't portray in a very good light. No. <laughs> She's jealous, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that she comes in and the first thing that she says is about her damn sword rather I than... Know anything about her daughter yeah hard to redeem her after all of that not that we really need to but i mean mean, you can't start out that strongly being disliked and come back really by the end like there's just no coming back from that quite frankly for me yeah um first impressions of hunt i don't remember because he like i didn't they, he was mentioned, right? He was the yeah. person that had come and responded to the attack. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I had like, I'm just like, oh, he's just a person. He was there. And, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. I didn't well, know. He like 
definitely has a lot of preconceived notions about Bryce, like Mm -hmm. her being a party girl. So like, you're not really sure what his role in everything's going to be yet. So like, Mm -hmm. I, I, again, I don't think I established like a real, like, oh, I need to feel a particular way about him. I think probably like Veronica, we were along for the ride and we just weren't, we hadn't established a true, this is how I feel about him yet. Yeah, um, especially just in part one. There really yeah, wasn't it like really doesn't like like story come like till that. part two that I started to have some thoughts and feelings. Yeah, I think I just felt on edge about him mm. because Isaiah is very uneasy around him. And he has been in the same triari with him for a very long time. It it explains that they were together in their previous one too, and that he still just feels that heaviness as soon as he's around. And so I thought that was really interesting. And he, you know, he doesn't come across, he's not a warm and fuzzy guy to begin with in this this beginning. So, so I was definitely, I think on, on edge, unsure Mm. of, of him and where it was going to go. But, yeah. Alrighty. So I'm going to send it over to Veronica and she is going to hit part two, the trench for us. Yes. There is a lot that happens in this part <laughs> two. All right. So after the attack, we fast forward like 22 months and Bryce is still working for Jessica. Uh, she meets Maximus Tertian, who is a 200 year old vampire, who is the son of the richest Pangeran vamp at the right Raven, which is the same uh, club that her and um, her girlfriends had met at all those um, years ago, just to complete a business deal um, that was kind of like under the table. We didn't want like paperwork for it. Anyway, so Rune happens to show up when Maximus is trying to put the moves on Bryce. And after finding out she was meeting with the creep vamp because he just gives those ick vibes, just mm-hmm. handsy and thinks that he's entitled and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then remember that no one actually knows hers and Rune's uh, mm-hmm. true relationship. So the vamp is like kind of intimidated and tries to become possessive. And she's like, stop. You guys are all <laughs> gross. And of course, she gets irritated with like Rune's alpha hole behavior. Mm-hmm. We all know that. Bryce loves that term, alpha Your holes. favorite. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like, I think she was just overused, and I just can't anymore with it. She obviously holds a grudge or something. I mean, yes. Um, but Rune follows her home to make sure she's safe and tells her that the Autumn King, a.k.a. their dad, um, wants her to stay out of trouble, especially before the summit, which is just over a month away, I believe. Uh, the summit is where the Valberas ruling powers gather together every 10 years to debate whatever issues or policies the Asteri ordered them to deal with, but each Republic holds its own summit meeting on a rotating schedule yearly. So I think because of how many there are, that's, it just comes out to be 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tertian, the vamp, is actually murdered that night. Um, Hunt and Isaiah are sent to Griffin Antiquities to interrogate Bryce. Supposedly, she was the last person who might have seen Tertian alive. Naturally, Bryce is being difficult <laughs> as a personality. I think that they expected that from her since they only see her as a spoiled party girl. Mm-hmm. Micah, again, the governor of Crescent City, is going to meet up with them to talk to Jessica, but because she's out doing acquisition things, Bryce needs to call her. But before she calls her, Hunt drops the bomb and tells her that the attack is identical 
to Danica's and her pack. But what's this? Philip Briggs is in prison. He's been there for two years. That couldn't be, right? Like, Yeah, because he was framed <gasps> for, for the murder. The yeah. murder! The murder! <laughs> Anyways, so Micah finally arrives not too long after this, and Bryce gets Jessica up on the vid screen. Um, like, I don't know, maybe like FaceTime or zoom or something <laughs> whatever they have <laughs> whatever they have over there um and that's when he reveals that he wants bryce to find the real murderer uh jessica and micah kind of go back and forth about why he needs or wants bryce to help them and he says it's because she's the only one um to have seen the demon that was summoned micah claims that he that angel doesn't have any memories from the attack so that's a dead end jessica finally concedes only after micah agrees to compensate her for Bryce's time while still also <laughs> working at Griffin Antiquities because let's face it, Bryce doesn't get a free day to just play around and mm -mm. play detective. So after this, Mike uh, appoints Hunt to be on protection duty to kind of make sure that Bryce is okay. AKA also just keep an eye on things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so Micah makes a deal with Hunt. Let's rewind. Short version. Hunt, he's... An angel with phenomenal cosmic powers. He harnesses lightning. He was the commander of an elite rebellion legion led by his one true love, Shahar, an archangel with a sister named Sandriel. Um, Sandriel sucks, by the way, <laughs> if you didn't know. Mm -hmm. The rebellion believed the Republic was the enemy and the rigid hierarchies were bullshit. Uh, they failed and everyone who was on Shahar's side were tattooed with a black halo across their brow and an SPQM stamp with some magical witch ink that was nearly impossible to remove. I believe in the book, I Hunt had amputated his arm and it just regrew back with the stamp on it. Like that's how magical this shit is. Um, but SPQM stands for, bear with me, laugh with me. At me, that's fine. Senatus Populusque Midgardor, or <laughs> thank you, <laughs> well done, <laughs> or the Midgard Senate and the people, which is so much easier to say. Yeah, yes. what? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, things I don't know, I don't know if it's Latin. SPQM, I'm gonna stay with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. uh, but basically, that marks them as slaves to the public. Um, so Hunt has been a slave for around 200 years and has had like three or four handlers. He doesn't like to say owners because that sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, Sandriel, Shahar's sister, had been the one right before Micah, she yeah. had given Hunt to Micah to pay off some debt that yeah. she had in her. Part that she rules okay present time micah wants hunt to find the murderer because he doesn't want the stary to see him as incompetent especially right before the summit so he offers him a deal he can't refuse because hunt was a commander of the rebellion all those years ago micah was holding him responsible for all the deaths not just the ones that he did but all the deaths that had happened um back when the rebellion was going on all 2217 of them Micah would consider removing the halo once he atoned for all the carnage, a life for a life, supposedly. In the four years that Hunt has been with Micah, his count was a measly 82. Wah, wah. So, that's so but sad. I know. 
I mean, you've been with someone for four years, and supposedly you're the assassin, but you're just yeah, he's I his mean, personal assassin. I mean, eighty two is still a lot in it four is. years, but you want to be doing it for forever, <laughs> forever. I mean, point. Yeah, but it's still kind of like gave yes. him hope. But if Hunt found the killer before the summit, he would reduce his debt to ten. I mean, how could he refuse, right? I mean, you can't. Mm -hmm. That's insane. You can't. I mean, he could still, like, drag it out. Like, he'd be like, well, I'm going to just make you kill these people. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But, I mean, 10 is way better than 2,100. Shoot. He could do that in his sleep, quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I know. All his power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. Zap, zap. Oops. Remember when Jessica wanted Bryce to find the horn in the first part? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Nobody found it. But for some reason, the Autumn King wants it now. And he wants his son, Rune, to find it. But what I remember is he says it's because the horn is a fey relic, which I think we did mention, Mm -hmm. um, or an artifact or something like that, created by the first starborn prince. His theory is that light calls to light, so Rune would have a better chance of finding it. Um, Ruse asks for Bryce's help. He wants to use Jessica's library. She only agrees if she gets access to Declan and all his spyware and technological savvy. Mm -hmm. Um, Declan is one of um, Rune's, like, best friends, and I think they all live together. They do. Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if they live together or he just... Oh, yeah. They have, like, a frat house. house. (laughs) (laughs) He's also a lord of the Fae. Like, his two best friends are also lords also. So... There it is. But while we're on the topic of Autumn King, let's talk about <laughs> dear old dad. He, <laughs> he's Bryce and Rune's father with two different females. Rune's mother was a noble who was used only to conceive an heir, and she was happy to do so. She wanted that privilege. She got it. She was grateful, thankful, blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Um, there are lots of females who the king had been with but room's mom was never jealous because again she got that honor of having a baby having his baby but bryce's mom ember is 100 human mm-hmm. and i supposedly they had loved each other but i guess after the honeymoon phase of the relationship he was kind of an ass to ember so when she found out she was pregnant she fled and hid from him uh, the king has immense power, but not as powerful as he would like. He isn't starborn, but Rune is. He, Rune pulled the star sword, um, and he was chosen to wield the starborn abilities. Even though Rune's powers, like his shadow and things from his mom's side, were very impressive, his starborn gifts were kind of lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly, the last starborn prince was able to blind an enemy with a flash of his starlight, while Rune just had like a tiny spark in comparison. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so Hunt is frustrated at Bryce because he thinks that she's not taking this whole find the murderer thing seriously. Going on jogs, clubs, getting her nails did. But in reality, Bryce is freaking clever AF and she's doing work. She finds all the dots and connecting people and she uses her brain to get info from meeting with Maximus's girlfriend to very cleverly getting an audience with the Viper Queen, which is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. You guys, I don't think, I don't know if we truly appreciate how Bryce's mind works. She went to the Viper Queen's territory looking for obsidian salt which is used to summon high-level demons, mm-hmm. knowing that this would lure the queen out. 
And it worked. She killed two birds with one $10,000 stone. (laughs) (laughs) Casual. Just drop an easy 10K. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, This is when I realized how rich Jessica was. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially when Bryce mentioned that she had skincare things that cost just as much and wouldn't even notice the money gone. Like I can't even imagine having that much money no. or just a badass. Yes, <sighs> honestly. <laughs> okay, so Hunt gets a call um, that there was a third demon attack, but this time at Luna's temple. Coincidentally, this happens soon after Rune, Bryce, and Hunt met there looking for evidence or things that they might have missed two uh, years ago when the horn had originally gone missing. Um, Rune tells them about the research into the horn that he had found in Jessica's archives and their connection to the Crystallis demon. And I think that's the first mention of the Crystallis demon there too. The, um, and the connection is the original Lightborn prince. So the prince made the horn and I think the Crystallis demon finds it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was bred to find the horn specifically. Yes. Okay. I think this is when Bryce takes, I'm sorry, when Hunt takes Bryce to the murder scene to see her reaction. Because at this point, he hasn't ruled out (laughs) her as a suspect. But Bryce completely loses it. Like PTSD. She breaks down. She just doesn't know what to do with herself. How does someone ever get overseeing their best friend ripped to shreds and then to see a replica of it like damn that's kind of fucked up yes Mm -hmm. um hunt realizes then that he did fuck up because he's an idiot (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) so bryce is pissed when she finds out that he thought that she would kill danica or the pack of devil and storms off she gets a call from juniper to meet with her at the white raven it's been a while since they hung out and june um had to be there anyway to meet up with some of her dancer friends um, Hunt gets into the club, um, and that is when he finds out that she's been sober for like two years, which he's completely caught off guard because he just assumes that she was this party girl. Later, she tells him it's because it's easier for people to think that about her. Um, so she just keeps giving off that persona. Mm-hmm. Um, Rune shows up at the club, and then boom. <laughs> The place explodes. Like, <laughs> all of a sudden. Holy shit. Juniper is livid. Bryce threw herself over Juniper to protect her from the blast. Nice, right? Of course. But Juniper already made the drop. She would most likely survive something like that. But Bryce, she could have seriously been injured. Blood and debris everywhere. Shell-shocked. Bryce is carried home by Hunt. He cleans her up and notices the huge scar on her upper thigh. The one he tried to close up the first time he met her after the first Cristalos attack. Um, That's why she limps and winces occasionally, he realizes then. Uh, Being this close, Hunt starts to recognize signs of his attractions to her. He realizes Mm -hmm. he can't help himself around her. He can't look away a touch longer than it needs to be. Looking forward to seeing her daily, even with her temper and sass. It's been about 200 years since he's felt an attraction to um, anyone like this. Um, I think he did talk about how he had been with other females. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, random. Yep. Like nothing. (laughs) Um, But Bryce is also starting to get the feels for him too, you guys. Both stubborn. They would never admit to it. And then it doesn't help that he confessed that he still thinks about his first love, Shahar, that he still Mm -hmm. pines for her. Um, okay, back to the explosion. They found out the bomb was triggered by liquid 
explosive found in a crate. It had a C on it, a symbol for the human rebels that Briggs, um, his followers had used. Mm -hmm. But when they look at it closer, it could be really a picture of the horn. And perhaps it's a warning to those three to stay the F away. Mm -hmm. Right? Again, Bryce is suspect number one, but not to hunt this time. <laughs> to Micah. She was involved somehow with all three attacks and present at the White Raven White Raven when it blew to pieces. Rune again vouches for her. The Autumn King catches wind that Bryce is indeed not staying out of trouble. <laughs> and now he wants someone to watch her 24-7. Rune, the loving and protective brother he is, volunteers to do it. Bryce, being the stubborn, you don't tell me what to do female she is, says, fuck that. I choose youth hunt athelar <laughs> now he's living with her in the guest bedroom how convenient <laughs> um i honestly don't think you know someone unless you live with them once you learn their habits good and bad it gets harder to keep secrets because you start to trust that person little by little you become more comfortable with them ex and accept their shortcomings with the good and um, with the good things too <clears throat> the sexual tension mm -hmm. also starts to build there um, and as you get to know someone some things tend to surprise you like yeah. how boring hunt is and how his <laughs> life revolves only around his work with the triari he only has crime scenes in his photos um, or in his phone gross not one selfie so of course bryce being the person she is just starts snapping pictures of Mm -hmm. everything for him um we also learn how easily trash tv can suck you in like bangs and bangs and they just start to bond over that kind of stuff on the really? couch i know the three i love them watching that together had me dead feels so <laughs> relatable loved it so much i know oh, i know you guys in your trash tv <laughs> yes. anyways and then that also the Umber Mortis enjoyed watching Sunball games. Like he was a true fan, which was also kind of surprising since his whole life was just his work. Mm -hmm. um, but you start to see how strong a person really is, not like physically, but seeing them and what they have gone through and what they still go through and how they do it. Like how a good parental figure, Randall, Bryce's stepdad, mm -hmm. and a poor one, the Autumn King, really impacts who you are. Yeah. Um, we also find out how deeply Bryce loves her family and friends, and she will go through shit and back for the one she loves. Mm -hmm. She even buys earrings to keep him from being sold to like a terrible fae and having a horrible, horrible life. Mm -hmm. We find out that both Hunt and Bryce still think about the past often. Hunt and his time with Shahar, Bryce and the death of their best friend, but not just that. She still, or she has been thinking about the angel she saved that day. Um, and that's when Hunt tells her that it was Micah. Surprise, surprise. No wonder why she couldn't find him in any of the hospitals. No wonder whenever she tried to call the Triari, they wouldn't tell her anything. This kind of thing, a half-human, half-face, saving an archangel, the governor of Crescent City, would become a political nightmare. All she wanted to know was that if she made a difference that day, that she saved at least one person. Mm -hmm. um, also, in part two, we kind of talk about um, how... Veneer, is it Veneer or just Faye, who have to go through an ordeal? Mm. I think it's just Faye. I think it's Faye. Yeah. But yes. that's a good question. I think it's just Faye because it 
varies from uh, yes. person to person. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some, it might be as simple as like overcoming an illness or a bit of personal strife. And for others, it might be like slaying a worm or a demon. Um, but the greater the faith, the greater the, the ordeal. Um, the ordeal is a precursor for making the drop. So you have to do this before you make the drop. Uh, Declan had done some research and he found that Sabine had messed with some of the footage from Luna's temple that night Mm -hmm. um, when the horn got stolen. Mm -hmm. And now Hunt suspects Sabine as one of the murderers or potential murderer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot. (laughs) You did it. Um, That's the end of part two, guys. Um, So going right off of that, yeah, Sabine is definitely not looking jealous. Yeah, she's jealous of her daughter. So Mm -hmm. that's a good person to have is um, as a potential for the murder. Yeah. Um, what were your guys's impressions and reactions to part two in general? There's a lot that happens here. For or me, it was heavy. Start- oh, I mean, okay. sorry. It was no, heavy ahead, with me. information. Like it really was, you got to meet everyone. You got to like in the first part, you just kind of like touch on everybody, mm-hmm. but then you kind of like dive deeper into like who they really are, what their thoughts are. Um, so it was, it was a loaded part. I thought mm-hmm. too. Um, just a lot of information for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of personal development that happens during this part for sure. Yeah. Um, what about you, Brie? Um, I think part of what was hard for me in this section is through all of this, of course, Hunt has these preconceived notions of Bryce, but then to almost force her into going to that murder scene, I really mm-hmm. felt like he was so dumb. Like the fact that you <laughs> really thought she would have no reaction, regardless of what had happened with, like that is a brutal murder. Not your average everyday person can walk up to a murder and be totally fine. Hunt. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, so mm-hmm. yes, I get it was a test, but that's a horrible test. And honestly, yep. at that point, it was disappointing that he hadn't begun to think a little more highly of her. Mm-hmm. like we really haven't changed the tides at all yeah that's really what i think finally was that shift for him but i was just like but that's sad mm-hmm. it, yeah it is sad because even when he goes out and does his kills he's affected by it so why yes. would he assume that she would be okay with it or not react that way because he, he's yeah. killed lots of people Yes. 82 in the last four years yeah and he's not numb to that stuff like he's still very affected by it yeah and if he's the one who's doing the killing why would he assume that someone who is also i don't know yeah mm-hmm. he didn't think through that very well but i think Dumb that boy. also this speaks to because hunt in this book is one of the people that has the most development oh one for of sure. the characters that mm-hmm. really changes a lot i think it's it speaks to what he's gone through in the yeah. last 200 years. He is immune to other people's emotions. Um, those kills might might affect him, but I don't think he's ever even taken a good look into that no. until he was with Bryce. I mm-hmm. think he was immune to it. He became just a weapon. Mm-hmm. People saw him as a weapon, so he was a weapon. So I think that he 
was so out of touch yeah. with human, well, they're not human, but whatever, emotion. Yeah. And recognizing that and just having some empathy in general. I mm-hmm. think he had no empathy left because he no. had lost all of that through all the horrible things that he had yeah. been made to do over mm-hmm. the years. So I think this is the start to really seeing the shift in Hunt. Yeah. And hit. And Bryce's effect on Mm -hmm. him. Yes. Because I don't think that he ever examined any of that until she came into his life. Yeah. So going off of that, I had spoke earlier about how I, it's not that I judged Bryce, but a little bit in that first Mm -hmm. part, I was kind of like, all right, (laughs) how's this going to go? Um, how are you feeling about her after part two? Again, I hate the whole alcohol thing. I hate that she... <laughs> like, She's I, got daddy issues, okay? I, she got a lot of alcohols in her life. She got a lot. There's a lot, right? And then it didn't help that, like, Danica fed into it. Yes. That, you know, her dad is a douchebag, and mm-hmm. she, she feels that her brother, like, abandoned her, and yes. betrayed her, or whatever. So, yes, she does have a, a lot of issues. But man, like I said, she can carry a grudge and she doesn't just carry it to those people. She carries it all around. She has got this huge chip on her shoulder for any guys. I mean, that was one of the reasons why she didn't want to start dating Connor because she didn't need another alcohol in her life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> but I do, I did love seeing or reading about, um, Bryce and Lahaba's relationship mm-hmm. and even how um, Hunt was getting comfortable with Lily and mm-hmm. she's hanging out with a I know Assy. she has a big fat crush on him she Ugh. does and then like Syrinx Ugh. what a cutie right and then him escaping all the time I know and she's got no clue literally Hunt, so Hunt oblivious. knows <laughs> Hunt knows though Oh, yeah, he knows. And he but thinks it's hilarious. Yes. I also loved Jessica. Mm-hmm. And yes, she's a badass. And like, everyone is afraid of her. Yeah. Um, but even I I kind of like how she's like, I'm going to turn you into a toad. Or I'm going to turn <laughs> you into a donkey. Uh, of course you like that. <laughs> I feel like you would do that to your children happily. Like, if you could, you'd be like, do you want to be out. this animal today? Because I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. do it <laughs> but i also love how calm she is when she makes these threats yes. and we're like oh but also like yes she's very intimidating but bryce i don't feel like is that intimidated by her they have like this relationship mm-hmm, yes. and i kind of like it because she's like well i'd like to be this today instead of a bug or mm-hmm. something like that yes. so yeah i that was kind of like a a nice little surprise i think instead of yeah. everyone think like fearing her she's mm-hmm. like well at least there's just one person yes well and regardless of the fact yes she usually is like requires some kind of monitor monetary whatever of bryce but jessica shows up for bryce over and over and over again and for someone that an- doesn't answer to anyone uh-huh. but the under king she answers all of Bryce's calls, mm-hmm. regardless. She pretty much gives her everything she wants. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder if she would even enforce, like, the debts that she, quote unquote, you know, makes 
yeah Bryce pay because she just she shows up for her so there is mm-hmm. there's definitely like some love there mm-hmm. for Bryce that she's kind of putting up a front about but she cares about her a lot I think well yeah and she even gives her that like necklace to like amulet, help yeah. protect her under of course the guise of hey, I need you not to die while you do all these things. Yes. But I do Protecting think my at assets. a certain point, it really is like, no, I do care for you in some regard. And I won't yeah, tell we can you that ever, that. but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah no, especially, especially when um, Bryce went to go meet like the Viper Queen. Mm-hmm. She, you know that Jess had no idea she was meeting with her. And no. she totally played along yep. with that whole deal with the obsidian salt. Like. Yep. Yep. Like it was nothing. She didn't bat an eye. You didn't yeah. hear any hesitation in her voice. She's like, call off the dogs. And she's like, done. Yeah. <laughs> yep. When she's that friend, like if you really did like murder someone, you'd be like, hey, I need you to come bury this body with me. And she'd be like, already did it. Like yeah. she would be that diehard. Yeah. And I do, I do appreciate that element from her for sure. Yeah. That That's fun. <laughs> so another relationship that is changing and kind of front and center obviously is rune mm-hmm. and bryce i almost feel bad for rune because he's trying so hard yes so hard to get back in his sister's good graces you yes. can tell how much he loves her yes and man is she not making it easy on him no, no. Sure is not. <laughs> yeah. Brie, what do you think about um, their relationship? I, of course, have a lot of feelings because I have three brothers myself. Mind you, I am the oldest. So I feel like I do kind of sympathize with Rune in that way. Um, yeah. And I know she's holding a grudge for this very specific moment in time. Yes. But holy hell, like once you realize what that actually is, you're like, okay, I get it. I get where you were mad at him. <laughs> But girl, it's been a long time and he's trying mm-hmm. so hard and he loves the freaking shit out of you. Like, yeah. even though you don't want to give him the time of day. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully, they have to interact, you know, mm-hmm. with the things going on. So it kind of forces them to break through that ice. And I do love seeing where their um, brother-sister relationship ends up going towards the end. But um yeah, she was ruthless to him. And I do mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. she dragged it out a little long personally. But I yeah. also am very like, yes, I can hold a grudge, but forgive and forget also to an extent, you know? <laughs> yeah, she um and they were they were best friends. Mm-hmm. Um pre-Danica, Rune was her best friend. He used to go visit so, her at her house instead of her always yeah. having to go over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the fact that it she takes it that far, I know she's really hurt, but man, I just feel so bad for him. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, <laughs> I think, do. I think part of that could stem from she probably harbors this fear that he's going to be like dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they yeah. are both full fae. He can be a little bit of an alpha hulk. I get like, there's yeah. some fear in that also that's probably hindering that. But yeah, yeah. she really... Mm-hmm. went hard on him <laughs> um we haven't really talked about randall salago mm-hmm. i love him badass yeah so he as we said in this part he is bryce's 
stepdad. Yeah. Um, who marries Ember and who raises Bryce. Yeah. But he is also a notorious sharpshooter mm-hmm. who is known around the world for how skilled he is. Yeah. He also raised Bryce to be just like him in that aspect. Love. And so she's, she may look like the party girl, but there is a whole level underneath there of someone who has trained mm-hmm. her entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, what are your impressions about her relationship with Randall? Well, didn't didn't he make her like he made a deal like in order for uh-huh. her like move out or something like that like he she had to prove that she could protect herself so she had to take wrestle him, him or mm-hmm. take him down right mm-hmm. and obviously she did it because she moved uh-huh. out <laughs> yeah but she's like yeah he kind of didn't expect it because I yes obviously paid more attention than he thought um, but she loves him like yeah. so much. And I love that she took everything that he showed her and she remembers it and she keeps up on those skills and yes. stuff like that. It wasn't like, you wasted my time. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, mm-hmm. if it wasn't something that interested any young girl, they wouldn't really keep up with it or anything like that. Yeah. But she values all the life lessons mm-hmm. that he gave her. And mm-hmm. But you've got to I... also appreciate she played dumb early. Like her party girl persona clearly started early because her dad even underestimated her. So she's been playing into this idea that like, I'm weak. Underestimate mm-hmm. me. See what happens. Mm-hmm. And I love but that. Do you think that's also because when her and her mom mm-hmm. had run away yeah and when they got away she had to pretend that she wasn't who she really was and so that's probably where it kind of started from right Mm -hmm. oh yeah she's always been pretending she's always had another level to her that people and people have been underestimating her since she was 13 and she went to go see her dad Mm -hmm. and it obviously her true dad not randall um and it didn't go so well yeah so she's been underestimated her entire life not only for like that aspect of it, but also the fact that she's half human. Mm-hmm. She's a half breed is what people call them. And usually they are used and abused and they are not respected yeah. by the humans. They're not respected by veneer. They have no place in this world in general. There's yeah. so much hate against them. So she's always had that to go off of too. Yeah. So I feel like she's had this chip on her shoulder since she was little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like Ember is just like her. Oh they my are gosh. very much the exact same person. Yes. Um and I think that that hard exterior that Bryce has is a lot because of her mom. Her mom yes. has built her to be that way. She doesn't cut any punches with her. She's mm-hmm. very, very blunt. Yeah. So I think that's where she really gets it mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. And I think I love that Randall is like the the mediator between her and her mother. I know. <laughs> like even though he's this like world-renowned badass, he's like the one that's like, okay, mom's in a mood today. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he's just a big squishy teddy bear to them. And like yeah. really he could destroy you. <laughs> Yeah. But um, you can just tell they're good people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who like love really her. really 
good people that just, yeah, really, really love yeah. her. All right, guys, that is it for part one. If you want to join us for part two of our Crescent City One recap, then head over to our page for the next episode. Also, if you like what you hear, then please share it with your friends. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for being here. Bye, everyone. Bye.